did I already make the joke on the show that was on the online offline Slack about um like making fun of American runs on Duncan, but Duncan runs on private equity? That sounds like a joke you would have made before, yeah. Yeah. I did, but it was, it was I still feel like it deserves an extra push. But um I know you're off Twitter, but uh there was a big merch drop this week from uh one of your favorite brands. Oh, from Duncan? already? No. Mm-hmm. Did you send this to me? I feel like you might have sent this to no, me. No, no, this always goes in my private channel where I, I keep things that we could start the show with, and then you sometimes will post them in the, in the main <laughs> thing and then just spoil it. So all all, all, all the uh, the vaccine tweets are, this is not going to be the fifth week in a row that we, we steal somebody else's joke off Twitter. The the wire cutter vaccine thing was pretty good. No, uh, are, are you aware of who Ken Jennings is? The Jeopardy guy? Yeah. I am very aware of who he is, yeah. Yeah, are, are, do you follow him on Twitter? No, but I, I know that he's a good follow, as you would say. He is, and then I'll send you a link in the Slack DM. I like this one from earlier tonight. <laughs> yeah. It is the American way. The, uh, the special lady friend suggested that he should be the one to take over for Alex Trebek. <sighs> Man, I'm, now, now this is going to get sad. As somebody who who loves loved and currently actively loves jeopardy and has been watching it for like the past 20 years or actually no he's 25 i think i started watching it when i was like seven. Oh, i'm old um yeah alex trebek passed away last sunday and that's really fucking sad and mm-hmm. um he was a very 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 smart and wise and entertaining canadian who would come and tell americans we're all not as smart as we think we are <laughs> which is a, tw- a, a half of a joke that i've cribbed from somebody else but rest in peace alex mm-hmm. oh on that sad note so, so, <laughs> so uh, dunkin donuts wait do we do we make uh oh yeah so uh, ken jennings's tweet was i'll get whichever vaccine has the funnier super bowl ad which is very very american but yeah, so um, Dunkin' Donuts, uh, they've, in, in the past, I think they kind of pulled a slack. Like, you know how all tech companies have, like, some type of, like, vaguely fun on-brand merch sometimes, and then certain companies kind of killed that and drove that into the ground. But, like, Slack had Slack socks, and there's a, there's stuff like that. But Dunkin', apostrophe, uh, at shopduncan.com. I think you might need to open this up. ChopDunkin.com. No G at the end, right? Correct. Okay. Oh, boy. Yeah. So there's a few have, things here. You shouldn't have shown me this. Well, because, well, the reason I waited and now why I don't feel bad is if we go and look at what I think is the one thing that you would have purchased, which is the uh, Dogs Love Duncan Dog Leash, it is sold out. So I think Branson is safe from possibly being subjected to the idea that people will think he likes bad mid-atlantic coffee or whatever so everything so go go click on the whoa duncan did that question mark exclamation point section and i just want to know if you think your wife would identify this uh this aesthetic as transitional or compliant with your kind of whole your whole deal and if this would ever pass um would this get past the the goalie here? <laughs> nice. Wait, is was that an accurate sports thing? Oh yeah, Ted Lasso. Yeah, he taught mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I would say that if we had a garage, which we don't. Well, you mean your man cave. (laughs) (laughs) That may be the Duncan Chillin' mini fridge would have a shot at being out there. But the bedding and the tandem bike, I would say, would not fly. Yeah, shockingly, a lot of this well, so a lot of this stuff is um sold out, but I do like that the the tandem bike definitely isn't. I mean, basically all of it is sold out. All of the apparel is no, no, sold the, out. The the bedding is still available. I feel like that's too where that's too much for people to think like, "Hey, this is a this is a fun dumb gag" where they're not really willing to sh- uh, willing to shell out $80 for a um a duvet cover with like, I think they objectively have kind of an ugly logo. The Keurig is actually kind of neat. Oh, under the Gifton section? Yeah. 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 I mean, also sold out, but... Yeah, calling all foodies apron. Does Is Duncan known for good food? Oh, does he... Mm. Well, is, I, is it, well I, who, I hold have. on. I, I forget which one you are, but, but if, if there's somebody who thinks... Because Duncan Donuts... Are, did they try to do a pivot where they're mostly coffee now, and they used to be mostly donuts, or is that Krispy Kreme? I have to admit that I'm not an historian on either Dunkin' Donuts or Krispy Kreme. I, I can only speak for myself personally, which is, I'm, I'm sure I've mentioned this on the show before, you know, as, as huge of a fan as I am of Dunkin' as a company, and specifically of their coffee, their food is very very sub average it's not outright bad but it's it's not particularly good and i've tried a variety of different things from their menu let's say donuts you know other baked goods like breakfast sandwiches things like that and it's all been exceedingly mediocre yeah that sounds right um also if you go back to the main page on a duncan shop um I, I do like that duncan is also involved on the war on christmas where they say order by december 11th to get it for time for the holidays which holiday anyway uh i'm, I'm kidding but um yeah this is this is too much um like because a lot of people like not even tech companies but there's a lot of companies that have done this like you can get yourself a duncan bathrobe too like i feel like they went too far if there were just because there was um do you remember the in and out vans that like the the food trucks no uh vans no i can't say i remember that all right sending you a slack dm oh vans is in shoes not vans is in a vehicle no not not hashtag van life no um i i do vaguely remember these yes <coughs> oh um <laughs> sip, went, sip went uh sip went down the wrong way um i feel like this is fun where like if you want to do one or two pieces of like super specialized like kind of cutesy wait these are back in stock oh shit i don't like um uh laceless shoes though like unless they're sandals or slippers i don't do you do you have any um like slip-on shoes i do but only for around the house not not ones that i would wear 
like out and about. Yeah, like I feel like if like like a zoo animal got loose, something I would not trust my life to these slip-on vans. But anyway, but if if you kind of if you're gonna do like one or two kind of like out there pieces of like corporate identity logo merch, like that that's cool. But this Duncan one's too, it's too much. It's too many. Like I think I think it's they're putting a hat on a hat for for all these jokes. Well, the people love it apparently. Well, but again, it might also be one of those things out. where it's um like ninety percent. It's supposed to be um like a a viral thing because like this this is their um like streetwear hype drop or whatever I think is what young people call it. And then it's mostly to know that it exists, but the fact that like maybe they made like six of the bathrobes but most of it is to get a bunch of buzzfeed articles written that hey all this uh weird um uh boisterous duncan merch is um all sold out because people love it because the youths love duncan i didn't i missed the customizable section oh yeah wait oh is this a mouse pad no damn it they only have iphone 11 cases too bad Oh, are we going to talk about your silly phone? Oh, yeah, we'll get there. Ugh. We've got some things to get to before that, though. <laughs> a camera bump, like, bigger than the size of Orange County. Like, it's <laughs> it's insane. All right, and I have one... Actually... Mm, uh, yeah, because I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't want to talk about the bad stuff that happened today. So, let me do one other thing. Uh, a few days or a week ago, I sent you a screenshot, um, and I will send it again. So I have like a long pastime of enjoying kind of like mistranslated stuff in product descriptions from Amazon. And then I sent you this and you, you were intrigued as to what this possibly could be from. So I want to know if you can guess what this absolutely bizarre Amazon product description. What type of product is it for? And if you could help, uh, I would just read what it is so that the audience at home can play along. Do, have we not done this on the show? Did you not tell me what this was? Did we? Leave I did, this I did like not. A... Well, did, do you know what it is? I, I don't remember, but I have a terrible memory. I just felt like we. No, that this this happened a week ago. No, okay. I know every every week feels like a year, but <laughs> it really does. So the description here is. Child have these problems bothered you for a long time? Question mark. Procrastination, weak motivation, game addiction, <laughs> ineffective learning, poor efficiency of work, bad implementation capacity, lack of planning, etc. Mm-hmm. First off, do you know any children with great implementation capacity? <laughs> I don't, but I'm also admittingly distracted by the capitalization of certain words here. It's it's got a very like forty five tweet kind of vibe to it. Well, there's no uh, this claim has been disputed thing underneath it, right? There's no Which exclamation marks. Mean. There's no capital letters. So there are yeah. some things. Well, that well, there there are some capital letters, of course, because that's what we're talking about, but. Um, there's not any all caps phrases is what I meant to say. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't really have any, uh, witty guesses as to what this is. No. Mm -hmm. 
But what's a sincere guess? Some type of like organizer or something? No. Is that your final guess? Yeah. All right. It is for the Oveki Kitchen Timer Magnetic Countdown LED Digital Timer Twist One Button Operation for Teacher, Kids, and Elderly for Classroom Homework Fitness. Wow. So this product actually it kicks ass. Like it's very good. Like um, it kind of looks like because it's magnetic and it'll stick to your fridge. I'm using it as an espresso shot timer, and um, it it's very good. It actually looks kind of like if like the first gen Echo Dot was just a timer, and it's very good. But yeah, the the description, which uh, hopefully like you can put that uh, link in the show notes. Uh, that was only one section. the The description is just bananas about elderly cooking cannot control the time well. It's yeah, it's a lot. Anyway, all right. So, what do, what do you have? <laughs> Boy, where do you where do you go from here? Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because the, the Apple section is going to be really not good this week. So yeah, let's 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 let's, let's just key, uh, tee that up. So. Oh, oh no no no! We're not skipping to the f- no. There's something we're doing first here because I, I have to know. So the the lady friend actually pointed this out to me. She she goes, "Why is Carlos getting rid of his Breville machine?" And I am like, "What are you talking about?" She goes, "Oh, did, it's on his, uh, his his Instagram story thing." And I I remember you had mentioned I think on the show or maybe it was offline. I don't recall. Um that you were thinking about potentially changing your espresso machine, but I, I didn't realize something was, was imminent and I, and I need to know what's going on. I'm just, I'm just hanging up my Jersey and then I'm, I'm just getting out of the espresso, the espresso oh, you're game. Get, you're getting into tea. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do not need that mosquito water. Um, yeah, I, I and this is what I was asking about the smart plug for. I I am changing my espresso game. I don't I don't have enough. I'm not going to talk about this week. Um, and I'm sure we're going to be off next week, but it's going to take some time. But I I have made some changes to my espresso machine setup, and I will uh, release more information at a later date. <laughs> but there's a couple of things I do want to clarify about this, which is the the big problems I had about the barista express as i kind of learned it and it liked espresso as a hobby is that the steam arm is 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 garbage on it like it's very bad and it takes way too long to power up like it's it's uh when was the last time you made a latte with yours today i make a latte basically every day not not for me, but for the the lady friend. Like once you flip the little switch on the right side to tell it, "Hey, I want steam now." It basically like it does nothing for eight seconds. It'll spit out a tiny bit of water, and it takes like a full twenty seconds to like actually get going. And that that was kind of a huge bummer. So that's one of the big motivations of why I uh, switched it for something else, and also just because kind of um, yeah, when when I have more information to share, it'll be. It'll be kind of self-explanatory, but yeah, the 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 Race Express is a fantastic gateway drug machine or or a way to get in to the home espresso lifestyle and see if it's something you want to devote more time to. And yeah, and and I'm I'm very happy uh, that that you peer pressured me into it. Yeah, it it was never quite 
the right fit for you though because well i mean no no pun intended because it it didn't fit hush, under your hush, <laughs> hush your kitchen cabinets which is which is no fault of yours um and i, I think you all did you already have that other grinder anyway that i you like no i well i had an oxo grinder uh which i used for pour over and that turned out to not be suitable for espresso oh that's right yeah but you are right and this will be the <laughs> i guess this will be the tease for what uh like two weeks from now or whenever our next episode is that i think you mentioned on a show that i have a knack or one of like my special skill in life is making um hobbies expensive and complicated <laughs> And I, w- I would have said that in the nicest way possible. Uh, yeah, so that's 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 what I did, and this this new machine um, kicks ass, and it's 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 oh, it, it you know it's a quality machine when you burn yourself the first day you use it. Yeah, that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah, more to share on that soon. Uh, the one the thing I do want to remark upon is that I was worried about how much resale value an espresso machine might have, and if this was just going to sit on Craigslist for weeks at a time i know i sold in a couple of hours are though are those still hard to find no i don't there think a, so there was a period of time oh i think like yeah in, in april and may just kind of everybody's like oh no we're gonna be here for a while espresso machines in kind of that like entry-level prosumer like that kind of that 500 to a thousand dollar niche were they were kind of hard to find just they kind of had like uh peloton syndrome or i think those are still super backordered hmm yeah, so overall, I, I feel I've sold it for 400 bucks, which when I wow. got it for after the Bed Bath & Beyond discount thing and the retroactive sale price adjustment thing that you pushed me to get, I think I only lost like 50 bucks on it. So did you advertise Grinder never used? <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> God damn it, you're such a pain in the ass. Yeah, that was the one part I didn't have to clean. <laughs> I think that's the hardest part to clean. So yeah, oh, yeah no, um, these, these burrs are new. Yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, yeah. Good. Sorry, Breville. Sorry to see you go, but um, yeah, I do need to start workshopping names for uh, the new uh, shiny boy. Does it connect to Wi-Fi? It does. This is, this is a very, the one part I will, I will tease about the new machine is that it's very, um, you know, like, like watch people. Yeah. It, okay. It's yeah. exceptionally mechanical. It is. It has no smarts whatsoever. Like it's just. It is just you and the coffee, and it's, and apparently a lot of parts that get very, very hot. So do you name your gadgets, even the ones that don't connect to your network? I don't, but I do feel like this. Uh, this appliance will need a name. Like I, I no, I will name things like cars and other. Hmm? My next question was going to be: Was this machine as expensive as a car? <laughs> It was not. I mean, it, it might be the cost of like a 1987 Toyota Corolla with like 300,000 miles on it. Like maybe. Yeah, because I there you you can go down a don't a, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, a Marco I, kind of rabbit hole with espresso machines. I know. I know. I did. <laughs> I I I'm a responsible adult, and that's that's all that one needs to know. Anyway, cool. So yeah, we'll we'll get back to that another time. Okay, so um, let's let's talk about some stuff that we that we are ready to talk about then. You so betcha. you've you've got some impressions of no nope, no. Nope, nope. You put a bunch of stuff in follow up that I don't have that I'm not equipped to talk about because I've had the home pods for like I've been home for like an hour and a half. Like yeah, I, I, first impressions. 
it doesn't sound very good. Yeah. Like, so the last time we talked, I had mentioned that I had ordered two of them, but uh, the review, the review embargo had not dropped. That didn't come until like, I think Wednesday of last week and they were released on Friday and they were all across the board and the verge, like Dieter bone, who I trust a lot at the verge, he'd mentioned that, yeah, it, it sounds fine, but not, not terribly good. Like nothing to write home about, but a lot of other reviews were like, yeah, this is actually pretty great for the size. And that was always the caveat. And like, that's not, helpful like because in the class that it's competing in like the echo dots like the sound quality is absolutely horrible like it's fine to just hear the echo assistant recite something back to you or to do like an alarm tone but they all sound like trash but like the home pod that was the one thing about it like it was like oh it's really expensive and it um you're using siri so it's not very good but at the very least it sounds amazing and then I was very curious as what they could do in this form factor. And I don't know, it's, I think it's a tiny bit smaller, but about kind of what I expected. It's about the size of, are softballs bigger than baseballs? Yes. Yeah, it's about the size of a softball or, or like a, um, a baseball that somebody supersized. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. But like, and I sent you a, a, a video that I had to shoot with my iPad because I couldn't figure out how to, um. It's the first time I used my iPad in eight weeks. Um, yeah, it sounds fine. It does have a really, really interesting, cool feature where it uses the U1 chip where you can basically just tap your phone against the HomePod and it will, um, not instantly, but it, it will try to transfer the uh, audio that's playing. It'll basically just initiate an AirPlay connection. And that's really cool, but yeah, it doesn't mm. sound very good. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't want to hate on your new purchase here, but I mean, well, it's it's going like it's eighty percent going back. Okay. Um, the the video that you sent me with the they they call that handoff, right? I don't think so. I think handoff is the feature when you like have a tab open on your iPad and you can go to your Mac and it's also there. Okay. Well, wh- whatever the marketing name is, mm-hmm. it's super not impressive, really. Um, I mean, in concept, kind of neat, but it it just it just takes. I think I said this to you in Slack. Like, it just it just takes a half beat longer than you expect it to. Like to the point where I feel like if I had a HomePod and I was doing that, like every time I would would do it, I would I would have this moment where I'm thinking, like, wait, is it is it not working? <laughs> like, am I gonna have to tap it again? I. I I actually take like I I absolutely agree. Except the one thing I would say is I there's either um either your phone vibrates or does like a little haptic. It, it mm. even though there's that like a second to a second and a half, you get delay, you get instant feedback that it's you know your it request has been acknowledged. Yeah, there's a little at the very least there's a push notification that says hey transferring audio to HomePod Mini. Like so you know it happened, and your Got phone it. immediately pauses. So. Yeah, that that there's I would I would say that's not a valid criticism or just like that you are unsure that something happened. And with a lot of Apple stuff, especially like the Apple Watch and other things, that that is frequently a knock against it. But I wouldn't say that's this. But the lag is, I mean, it, it's a it it uh kind of reduces or it kind of um uh undermines like a, what could be like a really amazing feature. But I do think that's really neat. Where, like, the main reason I've been wanting to go down this AirPlay speaker thing is that I don't like the 
extra three steps that I need to do is I have going to like settings, Bluetooth and telling it to connect to a speaker. So just being able to tap your phone on a, a speaker is actually pretty good. Well, I think the other thing though, that I would maybe critique about that is accessing airplay controls in iOS 14 is, is very quick. I mean, most apps have an airplay button built into them, or you, you can of course access it from control center and I would say more often than not, when I fire up AirPlay, it's in a situation where I'm sitting down somewhere or I'm on the opposite side of the room from the speaker. So physically walking over to the speaker and tapping my phone against it's not going to be the quicker or more convenient way to get audio to start. That's fair. And there's also one limitation of it that I can't tell. It's like, because again, I've been, I've used it for all of like a couple minutes is that, um, I think your phone has to be unlocked while you do it because I tried doing it when the phone was, was just the screen was off and it didn't work. So I don't know if that was just, I wasn't tapping it in the right spot, but I think your phone has to be unlocked, which is another reason where I think yeah, like Spotify and Pocket Casts and all the apps that I use for audio, like in the little playback area, do have a little AirPlay button. So that is, yeah, I guess, I, I mean, I guess maybe that now eliminates this feature as being a potential pro um, against whenever the these Sonoses arrive. I think I made this point when we talked about the, there was the iPhone event where the mini got announced, right? I think so. Um, I feel like that whole part of that presentation was full of features that made a neat demo, but in practice weren't particularly useful. And with the mini, the two things they pointed out were this handoff slash don't call it handoff feature and intercom. And not, I don't know, neither of those seems like they would actually be useful. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why tech companies always think people want like it, it's the walkie uh, both walkie talkie and intercom like there there are these ideas that always kind of get shoehorned onto electronics like it feels like th that feels like a feature that microsoft in like the early 2000s would think is really cool where it's like not really fully baked because who's gonna like are you gonna be in your car on the way home somehow trying to figure out how to get your Apple Watch or your phone to interface with the home app and somehow tell everybody in the household, hey, I hope you're within your shot of one of the home pods so you can hear that I want you to be ready when I'm I'm in the driveway. Versus just, <laughs> just texting people. Because like isn't that the demo? Was the guy was like, hey, like let me let me get directions from my phone on CarPlay automatically and I can do a thing to the intercom throughout the house before I'm home. And I feel like that's just not like, I don't just, people just text. I don't know. Well, and there was that. And then there was the one where the, you know, the guy was leaving the house and he was trying to get everybody to, to come with him out the front door. And maybe I made this point before already too, but it's like in a house like mine, which is not particularly big. I mean, it's always going to be faster for me just to, to physically walk over to wherever the, you know, the other person in the house is and say, Hey, it's time to go. Or just Am Americans would just, just yell. <laughs> like the classic, like sitcom thing, like literally like, it, rather than fussing with your, with your, your wrist computer, just like to be, um, gotta go. And then everybody just pours out the house. <laughs> Otherwise they get left home and that's 
was it, that's kind of how the 90s worked i think that's that's the plot of the next home alone movie oh does does the president make a cameo on that one too probably wait yeah. they're not rebooting that are they no not that i've heard of oh no. thank god um i never i never liked those movies too violent i think we've covered that it's been so long since i've seen them but i'm i'm sure if i went back and watched them now they wouldn't hold up yeah like it's not even that it's that's that problematic where a lot of the movies from the 80s like there's a whole lot of like racial stuff and that's that's not really wasn't kosher then and definitely isn't now i feel like i don't know there's just so much casual violence in that movie that's that's very yeah poor joe pesci all right so yeah so i will have um, again in a few weeks time much more to say about whole cozy apartment airplay audio because yeah the sonos uh their shipping speed is when does that when does that stuff come uh the sonos so the sonos move was supposed to be in stock it said when i ordered it on november 12th it said it was back ordered and it would ship november 13th uh currently only one item has shipped which is the sonos one sl and the sonos move has still not shipped and the Sonos One SL is scheduled to deliver November 25th, so literally two weeks after I ordered it. Um, maybe I'm just Amazon has like spoiled and broken everybody's expectations, but two weeks—that's that's that's a lot. I remember when I ordered the Beam a couple of years ago. I I did pre-order it, so that was definitely part of the delay. But even once it had been released, it was another. Yeah, maybe a couple of weeks before I actually got it. Like, I so. did not know F- FedEx Ground had a shipping speed this slow that doesn't involve like the thing where they hand it off to the post office, which I actually like when they do that because my local USPS is awesome. But yeah, anyway, so we'll we'll have more uh, at that point. But yeah, the HomePods, I don't know. I really wanted it to work, but it basically like I've been a bit a big advocate for the Echo Spot and which is which is the little circular echo with the screen and that one it doesn't sound great but it sounds pretty all right like it's definitely a step up from the dot and this sounds like that it which is not to say bad but like it, it just i don't know if hollow is the word but it's not that it's like lacking bass or that it's lacking like it just it just sounds like it's inside a paper bag yeah that's hollow is when i've read some of the HomePod mini reviews was kind of the word that I, if I was kind of making a, a mental picture in my head of, of what these things sounded like, that's kind of what I imagined. And that video you sent me, I mean, granted, recorded on an iPad sent over <laughs> Slack. So I mean, not a, maybe not a fair representation, but, but hollow, I think was a fair adjective to describe what I heard in that. Recorded on a four-year-old iPad that has not been, that yeah, I assume that is not the primary camera device people should be using. But yeah, I actually feel like it was fairly accurate when I re-listened to it. And it's, yeah, it's it's very meh. I don't know. We'll see. But, but the size is nice. So it would be, I wish it was better. We'll see. Um, and it, But the one last thing is that you pointed out something. Was this part of the reviews or was this just something that you have found with Bluetooth speakers where you you suggested that the HomePod mini was like tuned for music and that it was like widely remarked upon that for podcasts and like voice stuff it doesn't sound very good it's actually not a home pod mini thing it's just a recurring comment that i've seen 
in a variety of different home speaker reviews where it, it seems like for whatever reason, the majority of speakers out there are tuned more for music than they are for any kind of spoken word content, including things like podcasts. And, you know, as somebody who listens to podcasts, you know, 10 times more than I listen <laughs> to music, that's not ideal. And I would say that with, you know, my Sono setup, I mean, I think podcasts sound fine. I, I, I do think it's probably a fair statement to say that music sounds better and that spoken word stuff is maybe a little, I don't know, a little bassy. That oh, so that's the, again, that's the problem where that's like the, I have I have ran this the battery on this Bose Soundlink Mini into the ground because it doesn't do that, which I love because it doesn't it like podcasts sound good and balanced, but it doesn't just sound like Barry White is narrating the phone book. You know what else podcasts sound great on? I'm not using AirPods. No, not AirPods. Uh, that uh, Anchor Soundcore thing no, that we talked it about. It charges over micro USB. I'm trying. I'm trying to no. Micro USB is a bad relationship. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, that that's a bummer. Just because that is that is one of the problems where even and and that's the other thing. Now that the well, okay, let's get into this other thing. Which man, we're really trying to put off the Apple stuff. Um, there have been some updates where Bose. I never. So Bose has three applications for their products. One is called Bose SoundTouch, one is called Bose Music, and one is called Bose Connect. If you had to pick of those three, well, obviously the name gives it away, but which of those would you use for a soundbar? The first one. Yeah, because it's a SoundTouch. I, I, I kind of ruined the, ruined the game. <laughs> but, but like, which one would you choose to use with like your airplane headphones? Bose Connect or Bose Music? Like, Why do you have three? What? Because uh, I, I objectively have no idea which one I would have used if they if the product had not been named exactly the same. What is what is Bose Music? Apparently, that's the one that you're supposed to use for th whatever their home smart speakers are, which apparently is not my soundbar. Even though, well, and so that's that's the whole point of this, which is I opened up the Bose SoundTouch app, and I don't remember why, but I was like, you know, let me just open this up for once, and then I popped up a thing saying, "Hey, do you want to update this the the firmware on your soundbar?" And I'm like, my soundbar has firmware. <laughs> and because of course everything connects to the internet now and it was like hey this supports airplay 2 now and that was right after we had just that was i think on a thursday morning after we'd recorded a show talking about do i need to replace the sound bar because it doesn't support airplay and that's awesome and i really appreciate that they didn't just completely abandon a prior generation product because when i bought it i don't think it was one of those things where they had like made like a, some vague promise where like, you know how like Sonos, like I think it took them a long time to add AirPlay to their product line, but they just made some proclamation that says like, hey, everything manufactured in the past two years is is getting AirPlay. And if it has a microphone, it's getting like uh, the, the Echo Assistant. Yeah, no, no I think I think like with the Sonos one that I have, it launched with Amazon's Lady in a Can with the promise that the Google Assistant would come as well yeah. and that took I, I don't know how long that ended up taking but it was a while yeah like yeah like and so that that whole thing of kind of like vaporware features kind of 
um, they get backported to existing products. So I mean, like that, that's, it's good when people do that, but I don't remember when I bought this, that there was any expectation that that was going to happen. And this is a three year old sound bar that I think had been on the market for at least a year prior to that. And I don't know. I think that's, that's pretty cool that they're like, Hey, this is a, a um, a feasible product, a feature to implement on this product that even though, well, it's probably because they still sell it. <laughs> I think if it was discontinued, they wouldn't care, but I mean, hey, that benefits me, so that's awesome. Anyway, so it, it now is an, a full AirPlay 2 speaker. It's accessible from my Macs and my um, my iPhone, and it works great. It sounds great, and that, yeah, that kind of made my week last week. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I, you know, I I like to complain still about AirPlay. It just it has lots of little things about it that still don't work as well as they should and it's not as reliable as it should be but with all of that being said it's it's still probably the best kind of consolidated audio setup you could have yeah and actually um kind of uh, turning the follow-up onto you or uh we're putting you on the spot um you may i don't know if this was just like a big month for airplay or was this just a coincidence where like you're that um like the cheap tv that you just that you guys just kind of grabbed for the living room and you weren't like super ready to commit to like the expensive oled for it but it had the built-in roku so like you like the tcl that apparently somehow got like apple tv and airplay support or something well yeah so roku put out an announcement uh a week or two ago that said you know hey we're we're rolling out airplay support and i immediately assumed that it would be limited to cuz you know roku sells like standalone streaming sticks well, and stuff yeah. right but real quick it does roku own tcl because I don't, I, th- I don't think so i think i think they just license out software that tvs can run on so is the airplay feature a feature of the tv or of the roku app inside the tv it is a feature of roku os which is what the tv runs <laughs> Okay, that makes sense, but that's also very confusing in and of itself. <laughs> um, but so, but when Roku made the announcement, I you know I just assumed it would be, you know, limited to like whatever their latest and greatest standalone streaming thing was, which you know, whatever that'd be they'd be totally reasonable. Um, but it it turns out that when you read into the announcement that they also said, oh, it's also coming to Roku powered TVs. And there again, I assume that, oh, this must be limited to maybe like one of their ultra high-end TVs that have Roku on it or something. Mm-hmm. But no, like it, it seems like they basically just rolled it out to like anything and everything that has Roku something on it now supports AirPlay because I think it was last Saturday or something. I I get a, I think I got an email from from Roku um being like hey your your tv supports airplay which you know i had already noticed that it popped up in my my airplay menu um but obviously i assume you know most people wouldn't be regularly checking that but um but anyway yeah it it totally just did a background update and started showing up in airplay i mean obviously i'm not going to use my crummy tv speakers to Especially when there's, I mean, as as in the picture that I showed you, there's a Sonos speaker like six feet away from it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, real quick, you did a solid where I was, I had a question about kind of as in the background of all these um, 
airplay like multi-room audio questions was i was like how does it work if you mix brands like because i think one of the features of airplay is that it's supposed to allow you to do speaker pairing and that it's supposed to mostly keep them in sync but i was confused as how that would actually work and then you know you uh gave a quick photo or video of um the tcl tv implementation and then the sonos right next to it and you said that they for the most part like it sounded pretty in sync right it did yeah um, or not but not backstreet nice um uh. But the the cool thing about AirPlay coming to that TV is so the, the the best part about that TV, which I'm which I'm talked about before, is that you know everything's just built into it, right? So I mean, we do have a TiVo Mini connected to it, but probably don't really even need to, to be honest, because it, it's got it's got all the different streaming services and everything just built into it. So really, you plug that thing into power and you connect it to Wi-Fi or you connect it to Ethernet, and it's it's just ready to go. Um, including an Apple TV app. But the one thing it didn't have that, that we did kind of miss out on is AirPlay, like streaming video to the TV. Because we, we do that a fair amount on the, the family room TV, which has a, you know, an Apple TV connected to it. Like if we're looking at home videos or pictures or, you know, if we, if we pulled up a YouTube video or something on our phones and just wanted to like quickly get it over to the TV, like that is something we use relatively regularly in the family room. And it was kind of a bummer not having that in the living room. But are but, AirPlay to audio and AirPlay to video separate products, or is is that feature one and the same? It seems like it's one and the same because that Roku TV totally does both now. So, Neat. yeah, no, I know it's 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 really really cool. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, good on good on companies doing these software updates that they could either just not do at all or artificially limit to some of their latest or more expensive products. Um, but yeah, good on them for for not doing that. Yeah. I don't know, people I it's probably that it's just very little effort for them to do it, but I still appreciate that they entirely don't have to and that they still do. So that's cool. Um, and then like six months in, still pretty happy with the TCL. I love that TV. It's wow. It's, it's, yeah, it's really, really good. It, it turns on instantly, which is a really neat feature. Yeah. The, L, the LG um, does take like three seconds to kind of get its, thing going um i can't remember if i ended up talking about this on the show i, I think i did we ended up getting a, a harmony remote for it mm -hmm. um and I, i'm sure i did talk about this because i had some trouble setting it up but once it was set up you know it it connected to the harmony hub over wi-fi so it, it doesn't need any direct ir line of sight um which is great because the the harmony hub is is not near where the tv is you know all the streaming services are built right into it it's got a really nice user interface and the picture quality is you know it, it's not an oled for sure but it's pretty good especially like if you're watching something over a streaming service that's you know doesn't have a lot of like deep blocks or anything in it like it looks it looks pretty darn good 
I mean, and if that's not like your like prestige, like we're sitting down for movie night TV, then I mean, who cares? Like, I mean, because I feel like a, a 2019 um, LCD, LED LCD TV is perfectly fine. And uh, LCDs do, because that's a brighter area of the house, right? It LCDs is, yeah. tend to perform better in bright situations. So, I mean, why the hell not? Yeah, and, and that's that's exactly how we use it, where if we're sitting down and watching, you know, a, a big action movie or something, like, you know, that's that's happening on the OLED. But for just casual TV viewing, you know, that's that's what we're doing on that that living room TV. Yeah. Well, cool. All right. And I mean, it it's it's for the price. I mean, it, it we paid like five hundred and fifty bucks for it. And it's and and you you know you don't have to connect anything to it. Like you really could just plug it into power and that's all you need. Does it have ethernet or is it Wi-Fi only? It has ethernet. So ours is, ours is uh, plugged into ethernet. Even though it's about eight feet away from a Wi-Fi access point, but Mm. I have everything hardwired that I can. Good. All right. And then lastly, before we get into the, the sad, angry stuff, how's your, how's your big old phone? It's fantastic. Um, did you get the gold one? <laughs> I did not. Did not get the gold one. Um, I got the boring. What do they call it? Graphite. Um, space gray two. Yeah. Space gray two. Yeah. It it it's so it's so good. Um, and I know we crib from upgrade on the show all the time, but I, I can't help myself from doing that again. I think Mike's description was if all that was different about this phone were the design, like the flat edges and just the way that it feels. And if nothing else were different about it, it would still be worth the upgrade. That's exactly how I feel because I'm using my phone again without a case for the first time in like three or four years. It, it just, it feels like a really, really premium product which obviously especially the pro max phones are i mean they're super duper expensive but the 12 pro max in particular just feels like a super high-end phone feels just feels fantastic in the hand can i make a a call out for upgrade they made a mike made a really smart not smart but like just like a really interesting observation where he Mentioned, do you remember like the company Virtu that used to make like super like blinged out phones? Right. Yeah. Like he made a very good because I I've I've held and felt the the twelve Pro Max and and, and like just on on a personal level like it does not appeal to me even beyond just the like I don't like big phones, but like it's super dense and heavy where I just feel like that would be kind of uncomfortable. But with that, you do get what something that feels exceptionally solid and like uh, uh, Mike made the point of like it does feel luxurious, which is pretty cool and especially in that gold color but um yeah i mean that that upgrade segment was very very good yeah when i thought jason's point about this feeling like apple finally really embracing the bigger phone size instead of having it be like almost this thing that they feel obligated to do because there is a meaningful part of the market that wants these big phones but apple's ethos is all about making things thinner lighter you know, smaller and obviously the the pro max is none of those things 
But with this phone, they finally just said, you know, screw it. Like, we're going to make the phone even bigger than it was before. We're going to make it heavier than it was before. We're going to make the camera bump enormous. Like, whatever. You want this big, heavy phone? Here you go. And that that's what they've done. And that's what I want personally. And I, I get why some wouldn't wouldn't want that. But but for me, it's 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 my favorite iPhone in a long time. Like I, I feel like if you were to go back and listen to kind of our first impressions of new iPhones over the last few years, like I think we both have been pretty underwhelmed for a long time. Like even thinking back to like the iPhone 10 and the iPhone eight, like all that stuff, it just, it, it, none of that stuff was bad. Just none of it really like stood out in the way that like, the iPhone 4 did or the iPhone 5 did. And I feel like this is this is the first phone maybe yeah, maybe since like the 5 that really has like stood out to me as just being super super well designed and just being kind of I don't know, like almost feeling like this is peak iPhone. I think a lot of that makes a lot of sense. I it it the do you remember the iPhone 4 and 4S, like how it felt compared to the 3GS? It, yeah, and that's, I mean, really, that's like, that's how I feel about the 12 Pro Max compared to my 11 Pro Max from last year. So that's where I don't really know, because it feel, the the design language feels like it, it is iPhone 5. Like that's what it is, where you have those flat sides and edges. But in terms of relative to what came before it, the density feels very iphone 4 where like like when you had those like two like the little sandwich of glass and the um i knew it was it was like a hardened aluminum on the on the outside edges of the four but the fact <clears throat> the fact that the like kind of like the, the four and kind of the whole like because that, that was the one that got lost in the bar right mm-hmm. yeah like that way it just felt like a step beyond and above just because the the 3gs while like a, the fine phone it was extremely plasticky and like it, it would just the the leap was kind of a lot whereas the 12 pro like i on a personal level like again i'm probably going to sit this phone generation out i i actually kind of am, am, am in the jason camp where i think i would just go for a 12 or a 12 mini because i don't like the density of the pros like, I just feel like they feel too heavy. And that's the one thing where when you made this point too, where I don't actually necessarily understand when people say like I the, the heft of it and the flat edges make you less likely to use a case that I don't actually really understand. So can you, can you explain that? I mean, I, I it's, it's probably one of those things that's just totally subjective. So I, I don't know how easily explainable it is, but when you think about the design language from the phones from the past handful of years with them having these rounded edges, they've just felt a lot more kind of slippery in the hand, even if some of that was just mental. Because that's totally how I felt with the um, 11 Pro Max. Like, I really did not want to use that thing in a case and ended up you know, settling on a kind of a bumper style case just to have a little bit better grip on it. And with this phone, with the flat edges, I just, 
I feel like I've got, you know, a really solid grip on it at all times. And I know that like Jason's point, you know, his, his whole thing has been with like the pro line that the stainless steel band makes it feel a little bit more slippery than the, I guess, matte edges of the 12. I, I haven't held a 12, so I guess I can't compare them, but the stainless steel band on the pro max feels, feels fine to me. Like I've never once felt like I was anywhere close to, to dropping this phone. So, I mean, I'll, I'll drop it tomorrow now, but at least up (laughs) to this point, I haven't. Yeah. You're going to pull a KC and you're going to wash the car and off it goes. (laughs) You know, it's it's really interesting about this year's phones though, is, you know, I have a couple members of the family are due for, for upgrades this year. And like comparing the 12 and the 12 pro and like trying to explain those differences to people is, is so difficult. Like to the point where like, if that's the size screen you want, like if, if, if the pro max is too big and if the mini's too small and you're, you're good with that 6.1 inch screen, mm-hmm. I feel like it's not even worth talking about the pro, like just, it's just get correct. the 12. Correct. Yeah. Like that that's the one part and and that's the part that is kind of weird about this generation phone cuz because I've thought about this a lot and I've actually had to explain that numerous times and it's kind of like you you boil it down to $200 more you get a third camera that is zoomed but optically worse and you might as well just use a digital zoom and you get a phone that's heavier than it needs to be and kind of cheaper materials like back when it was the when the 11 had the six what was it called liquid liquid uh liquid retina am i making that up what was the name they gave for this the iphone 11's non-oled screen yeah liquid retina is right yeah like now that both are oled and there's only a slight difference in brightness and honestly who's running their phone at full brightness like it it the uh, the 12 pro just doesn't seem to make sense other than like Dolby Vision HDR video, which I don't necessarily buy. Like that's the one part about Mike's conversation where I kind of I'm like, is it really? So I I don't know how much of it is the like Dolby Vision part of it necessarily, but videos do look incredible. I mean, I mean they've looked they really really good on iPhones too. for yeah for yeah. a while. But I mean I've I've shot just you know also like Mike, it's not like I'm. <laughs> walking all around town and going a bunch of places so i can't say that you know my first week with the phone has has led me to a lot of exciting places or anything but the the handful of videos that i've shot at home i mean they they look pretty darn good but again for me like you know the the year-over-year camera improvements like i'm sure like in a in a blind you know, comparison, like there's no way that I'd be able to tell the difference between a photo shot on the 12 pro max versus the 11 pro max or the 11 or, or whatever. Like the, this, the camera improvements year over year are solid, but incremental. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with like the a 14, like I'm sure this phone is faster, but compared to my 11 pro max, it's not like I'm sitting there comparing animation speeds and stuff. Um, it's so for me, it's, it's not really about any of that stuff with, 
um, this phone. It's it's just it's about the design, and it's about having that slightly bigger screen because I I kind of always lean towards you know having the biggest screen that I can have in in almost any device that I have, and so you know getting that extra three tenths of an inch from this year's phone is is great. Gotcha. Um, and do any of the MagSafe accessories? Uh, interest you or just skipping all that so belkin's coming out with one it's not out yet um i think apple briefly showed this during the event it's a sorry go ahead it's a i don't know if it's a two-in-one charger or if it's actually even a three-in-one charger i forget if it includes the um airpod uh, little charging pad as well but it's got it, it's actually very very similar to the Belkin charger that I have on my bedside table now where it's got an NFC um charger for the phone that kind of sits the phone at an angle so that you can still see it you know like from your bed and then it's got an Apple Watch charger next to it which similarly you know is is oriented vertically where you can use um what does Apple call is it just nightstand mode or whatever on the mm-hmm. Apple Watch yeah um, Belkin's basically made a version of that, but with MagSafe. Um, yeah, you've 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 sent me the link here. It is a, it is a three in one charger. It's weird that they let them use the name AirPower for this. That's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this this I'm this I'm 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 very interested in. Yeah, I mean it it this that then that's what sorry that's what I was going to interrupt with earlier. Where I remember in the in the keynote or the introduction. That it looked very much like. Um, do you remember the the um, the uh, half volleyball iMac? Uh, yeah, I think so. Like if you Google iMac G4, it's the one where it had this um, inc- very 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 shiny like uh, aluminum like neck or a chrome aluminum neck. That's yeah. That's that, that's what this looks like. Um, and you I mean I think it's I think it's kind of neat, and it does address the. Um, this is this was made for the um the free solo loop where it's such a pain in the butt to charge those if you leave the like if you don't fold it inside out or like isn't that the complaint where you can't really get the magnetic charger inside a uh if you're using the solo strap well with my with my Belkin charger now with the vertically oriented Apple Watch charger that's that's not an issue with that one either but, but if you're but if you're just a peasant like me that just has a well, gee, that's actually a lie because I, I have my little um, uh, original Macintosh uh, wireless or Macintosh. Yeah, charger. so that would be. But if it's just fine. laying on a desk, then yeah, that would be hard. Yeah. yeah. Um, the the main reason I'm kind of interested in the um, what is this called? The Boost Charge Pro, Boost Up Charge Pro, <laughs> three in one wireless charger with MagSafe for unconcentrated children. Um, <laughs> I, I do like in model the, number W I Z zero zero nine T T lowercase T T B K. Um, I, I can't tell in the product picture is the, um, would you, uh, on the black version is the Chrome like a darker graphite shade? Uh, it is hard to, it is hard to tell in these photos. I don't, I don't know. Um, but the, the, the reason I'd be kind of interested in this is 
The one complaint I have with my current Belkin charger, which I otherwise really, really like, is it's got that typical problem that a lot of NFC chargers have where there's been a handful of times where I haven't quite placed mm-hmm. my phone in exactly the right spot. And, and so my phone hasn't charged. Battery. Yeah. And so the, this would kind of eliminate that. Yeah. But I do remember on upgrade, um, I believe Jason had mentioned that like the second night that he used the MagSafe charger, he woke up and it did, even though it snapped into mag snapped into place magnetically, it didn't actually charge. This is a little different though, because it seems like with the way this is designed, like if your phone wasn't, attached properly like it would just like literally fall off the stand Mm, so you'd have bigger problems than it just not charging all right we're running along do you want to do the one uh immediate topic from today uh yeah let's do it okay so (laughs) are are you versed in the story yet i don't know what the story is uh good guy and and I mean this in jest, not like good guy bows. Uh, good guy Apple is doing something really big and charitable today. So they are reducing the App Store commissions uh, to 15% for, quote, most developers. So this is something new called the App Store Small Business Program. It's basically any developer that earns less than $1 million annually per year, which is what annually means, um, from all their apps can qualify for the opportunity to apply, I love it, uh, to, for a reduced App Store cut of 15%, which is half of Apple's standard 30% fee on all paid revenue and in-app purchases. So, I mean, this is good news, right? So I, so I, I think it is, but I, you're, I feel like you're going to hate on it, and I'm curious why. Okay, so before I, come, before I go fully into being bad cop, I want to know why you think it's good. So, so give me, give me, give me the uncynical take, and then I, and then maybe, maybe my um, annoyance and disdain for it is misplaced. So, yeah, give me the good take. Well, so I think one of the chief complaints that many have had about the the thirty percent with the App Store is that it it applies. Well, putting aside the the Amazons of the world, it it apply or and and netflix maybe i i forget who apple's carved out special deals for but but putting those handful of special deals aside the 30% has applied universally across the entire ecosystem so whether you're a you know widget smith or whether you're a fortnite or well fortnite's a bad example but uh, <laughs> Uh, you know what I mean? Some 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 triple A game, as you would say. Wait, you mean uh, you mean a non triple A game? You mean like just some somebody who makes like threes or something who makes like a? You're trying to bring out examples of people who would benefit from having some success, but not being like a mega player, right? I'm I'm, I'm trying to come up with examples of like really really big like multi million dollar generating revenue apps versus you know. These little niche apps that well yeah, well, yeah your your epic games versus your Marcos, yeah, exactly, there you go it's It's weird that the thirty percent's been applied evenly across that entire spectrum of developers, and I think it just intuitively makes sense that if you're a smaller developer bringing in significantly less money than 
I mean, let's say like a Microsoft or someone who who sells iOS apps. Like that makes total sense. And so reducing your share of revenue for these smaller developers just seems like the right common sense thing to do. Wow, I did not think we were going to be on opposite sides of this. Hmm. So I guess let me, so to put into perspective, um, a couple of like um, uh, like third-party app store economy, like the, you know how like there's App Annie and um, Sensor Tower who are companies that kind of watch the app store from afar and don't have access to internals. But right. basically, if you think about the 98% of developers that will benefit and possibly be eligible for this 15% of cut, which again, you have to apply for. Um, those developers generated just 5% of all app store revenues. So the reason why <laughs> I feel like this is so like dirt baggy is that this, if, if you think of this is basically a way of Apple, this is Apple buying good PR because now that they're eliminating, like if you, if you think about all the people that are complaining about the app store and the unfair cut and the uh, inequitable and capricious way that they enforce the rules. Like a lot of those are small independent developers and their complaints often are aligned with much bigger players. And whenever Epic games is fighting Apple over bad terms or Spotify is unable to compete because Apple uses their built-in monopoly and um, ability to push uh, software updates to like, because when I was sending out my home pods, there were multiple ads for me to sign up for Apple Music. I mean, it's really disingenuous for them to do this because when you think about it, $1 million sounds like a really large number and you would think, oh, well, 98% of developers is, could possibly benefit from this. So that's amazing. But if you think about what's fundamentally wrong with Apple as gatekeeper and a rent-seeking monopolist who's able to extract a 30% cut for doing what objectively most people can identify as a 3% like credit card processor. It's really sketchy and lame. Like, I mean, it's, it's just, it like you, you don't necessarily see it as like super like calculating and as being purely a PR thing because it doesn't actually substantively affect their bottom line but it does manage to shut up a lot of people. I, I, I just feel like that's super, super sketchy. Like, yes, it does have a tangible benefit to small developers, but it doesn't change. All it, all it does is change who's mad about the, the problem. And it smartly on Apple's part, smartly, I, I mean, again, unethically and, 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 and like, again, it's like monopolistic business, but it helps them because it is now just a very small number of people. It, it's Amazon and it's Netflix who's upset that they can't tell people to just sign up on their website or Spotify who's having to pay a 30% cut. Like they're the ones that are mad, but that's now down to like 20 companies that are really mad about it versus all these other people that used to be caught up in the same rules that were against these big bad, like like monopolies versus monopolies. I don't like, I, this just doesn't seem, I'm not seeing the good news here. I guess where I'm mostly coming from with my stance on this is companies generating multiple million dollars of revenue annually from the App Store 
are not the types of companies that I'm super sympathetic towards with dealing with Apple. So, but what about Spotify? I'm certainly not a company that I feel sympathetic for. Why? Because their iOS app sucks, but... Their iOS app is amazing. <laughs> have you ever used Apple Music? <laughs> I know. I have, well, I have, but not for a while. Have you ever used RDO? I do like the one out of 10 times it would play the song I tapped on. <laughs> also, uh, <laughs> sad anniversaries. Uh, I think RDO was uh, was uh, acquired and killed like five years ago, like two days ago. That, that's That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I get your like i understand the point that you're making but i feel like it's misplaced because spotify has their marginal cost of providing a, like a new service to a new user like it's not like it's not like epic like i feel like epic is somebody who you could make that um complaint against or like zynga if they still make games like i mean those are ones where there's no cost in what they're providing to people like it's it's all just money which is which is i mean that's an entirely valid thing but spotify they're at a disadvantage because there's a 30 percent apple tax which uh apple music does not have to pay and when they sign up a new user and uh, they still have to pay for all the music like, it's it's just because they have hundreds of millions of users like that doesn't mean that their economics work out any better like i i i don't necessarily see how that i'm really interested to see how atp discusses this i feel like marco is big enough to maybe see this in a different way I, uh, judging by the um, episode description from the episode that was released tonight it seems like they're pretty positive about it so Tim Cook says, small business small businesses are the backbone of our global economy and the beating heart of it, Jesus. Beating heart of innovation and opportunity in communities around the world. We're launching this program to help small business owners write the next chapter of creativity and prosperity. I, this doesn't the reason I feel like this is so crappy, and again, it's it's not a bad change, but it, the 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 reason it's frustrating is that it's going to let off a lot of the criticism and pressure against Apple, but they're not fundamentally changing the way they do business at all. All they're doing is vaguely shifting who's mad about it. And customers are still worse off. Where where did that, you said something about this only impacting like 5% of... So if you go to the Verge article, they have, uh, so Sensor Tower, which is an analytics company for the App Store, estimates that 98% of developers would be eligible uh, for this 15% cut because they make less than a million dollars annually from their apps, but that those developers in terms of total revenues are only 5% of all revenues. But, well, so, but, but isn't that, but isn't that sort of speaking to why this is a great change? Because it's, it's impacting a ton of developers. But that doesn't matter though. Of course that matters. No, but that matters a ton. But but why? Well why why? Why is Marco more important than Spotify? Be because I because I care a whole lot more about individual developers trying to make a living than I care about multi-million or multi-billion dollar corporations making a profit on the App Store. But why? <laughs> I mean like I Jesus, I didn't I I mean I didn't know you were returning to your conservative roots here i mean i i just feel like you you know 
you have to have some compassion for these developers and look at it beyond just you know the hardcore business angle so they're but they're throwing crumbs that like oh, sorry that's what apple's doing but i don't i don't see i don't see it that way though if if this is impacting 98% of their developers but it doesn't that's... matter though like but but if you're i mean how can you how, how can you tell me if you're someone who generates say $400,000 of revenue a year from the app store mm-hmm. that this change isn't meaningful that's hugely meaningful it's totally meaningful Absolutely. Like I'm not. I, I. I am. I am not arguing that. That I still think fifteen percent is too high. If they want. If they want. If they really want to do this, why didn't they say basically? If you make less than a million dollars on the app store, we'll just provide transaction transaction processing at cost. Wouldn't that be even better? It still would probably not really affect their, because what what was it in their most recent quarterly results? They had like an analyst or like some type of financial disclosure that says any like any regulatory uh action against the app store will have a uh, like an extremely yeah, material result on that that stuff is you, you can't hold that against them that's companies throw all kinds of stuff in 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 their you know sec filings i i feel like i'm not making my case very well because i feel like you're you're looking at it from a from only a pr perspective and from apple's perspective which which I, I understand that point of view, but I'm just saying that I'm not saying this is this is a net negative for society or something. What I'm saying is that it is so shrewdly calculating where all it does. It's a, it, this was not done because Apple likes small business. Apple doesn't like anybody. Apple only likes people that will make them more money. I, I think this could be done for both reasons, maybe, is what I'm saying. I think this is a shrewd PR move. I a thousand percent agree with that but at the same time i do also think that pr aside this is the right thing to do like i would much much rather see apple do this than cut special deals with multi-billion dollar developers or they would just reduce app store commissions all around but see that see i that's where like I'm all for changes to the App Store, much like what this small business program represents. But I, I don't, I don't understand the case of why Apple should universally reduce their thirty percent commission. Like, what, what's the argument for that? I mean, Apple. That the, owns the only reason, the no, okay, the reason for that is that the only reason that they're allowed to extract thirty percent commissions is because they hold what what should be illegal monopolistic position on the app store and on ios devices and that if there was any form of competition for the if it wasn't for all these onerous rules on the way that you're able to distribute apps what's, even if the app the, store, the even, iphone even, share even, of the even smartphone if, market isn't it still way below so 50%? Uh, so are you are you gonna buy a phone that's not an iphone well, I mean, I'm not personally, but I'm someone sitting in a room with a MacBook Pro, AirPods, an iPhone, an iPad. Like I'm so, but, so but you don't have any choice in what phone you buy. You can only buy something from Apple, so therefore you only have one place that you can get apps because you're not going to buy an Android phone. But that, but but that's 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 not the right way to put it, though. Like it this is... isn't this isn't like no, but this is totally different than like high speed internet. 
where literally the only option I have is is cable town. With with a smartphone, there's nothing stopping me from going out and getting an Android phone. Like I could, I I don't no, want but, to. So, but, but think I about it differently. Think about like so you you have you have a stove, and you want to eat. So therefore, you have certain uh, you have a certain number of places that you can go and get groceries. If it was made to be that you could only shop at Whole Foods and that Safeway was no longer an option, you always had to pay Whole Food prices for everything. Is that is that fair? Should the brand of stove that you have make it that you can only cook food on it that was distributed at a specific grocery store. I, I just don't think that's a fair comparison. I think that's a perfectly fair comparison. It's, But it's not because software software has technical reasons why it doesn't run across but, you know, so, so, okay, all so, platforms. So absolutely. So, but that, that's, that is my point. What I'm saying is if we take it as read that you can only get iPhone apps on the App Store, which has a whole lot of security benefits and other things, if you think about how you pay for those apps, because Apple holds that monopolistic position on the App Store, like it's fine if they're the only place that you can get an app. But the fact that you they're the only that if you ever want to make money for, from it, even though there are tons and tons of different ways to collect money from a customer, that's the problem. So if you want to take the position that they're being extremely generous and supportive of small business, and I mean, I, I take issue with even the name of this program. I, I like, I feel like that is so PR spun, like it, the small business developer program. It, it, if Amazon or Spotify or any, or anybody else could use Adyen or Braintree or any of these other things to be able to collect money from consumers and not pay 30%, that'd be fine. Like I don't have an issue with the fact that the app store is the only place to get applications it's the fact that you have to pay 30% tax for something that they only have to pay two and a half percent on. Like that's the part that's, that's wrong. But the, but the world, the world is full of ridiculously high margin businesses. I mean, what but none, none of, none of which, none of which are as important as smartphones. Well, I mean, like, what do you think there should be a legal limit on what your gross margin should be? Like, I don't, I mean, I don't understand what the, yeah, I don't, I don't, the argument of Apple's, you know, per unit gross margin being too high. That doesn't, that yeah, doesn't on, really on hardware, on hardware, that's fine. On, on hardware, what's fine. There's, there should be no limit on what they're like. I, like, even though like, I do think that 40% margin on hardware is kind of absurd. Like I, I, I'm not saying that I, like there should be some type of regulation that says Apple should only be able to make at most 20% on each iPhone sold. What I'm saying is that if you think about a functioning market, if there was any other option for people to take money from customers in on, on in-app purchases, would anybody ever choose Apple's? Would Apple's uh, cut from major companies like Spotify be thirty percent if there was any other alternative? I'm not talking about another app store. I'm talking about if there was a way that it, that if you could then use um, Stripe or PayPal to do in-app purchases and they only charge 5%, would Apple still be able to extract 30% from them? The answer is no, because if they had any type of competition for that, they would have to charge way less. So by doing this thing where you're silencing the complaints of a large number of people who, as a percentage of the total pie, are extremely small, you have now eliminated a massive PR problem, but you have not fundamentally fixed the problem of being a monopoly and hurting consumers by making everything 30% more than it should cost. 
I, I guess I also don't know how consumers are hurt in all of this because because anything, you get you get less choice because it, because because Spotify doesn't allow you they don't even offer an in app purchase right because I think Apple made it so that you, they couldn't charge people thirteen dollars a month for it like they had to charge exactly what they charge outside of the web like I think that makes their business inherently unsustainable so just because Apple well, but happens Spotify's to, business is inherently unsustainable for lots of other reasons other than apple's 30 percent. so what about netflix what about anybody else well Nef- netflix the same reason they're also a completely unsustainable business for many other reasons outside of apple's 30 percent. i mean that that's that's the problem with a lot of this too is that it's not some though. of the more vocal players like spotify have far bigger and more fundamental issues but to their business but that doesn't matter though share. Like just, well, just no, because somebody I, I, else, I agree. I agree. It doesn't matter with with what Apple's policy should be. What I'm saying is that if Apple now continues to compete in multiple other arenas, like now, like again, they make TV. They made one good TV show and like eleven bad ones, but they make TV now. Yet they're obviously not having to pay themselves thirty percent. So therefore, if anybody else wants to, like that makes this entire thing so profoundly unfair. And because they have a stranglehold. And a captive audience of people like you and me who are sure as hell never going to buy an Android phone until somehow there's actually a good one that can, that scrolls without feeling yucky. Like the only place for you to buy your app groceries from is the app store. But that, but again, that that's a that's a bad comparison because what Android phone? Pretend some but, Apple but, but did the, something that you hated. Nothing... What would they? What would you buy instead? Well, but but that. So going back to the the ISP example, like in in my area, uh, like there's literally no other option other than Comcast. If I want something that's more than twenty five megabits a second down or whatever AT and T's DSL thing around here is, mm-hmm. with phones there are other options out there. Maybe I subjectively don't think they're the best options, which, which by the way, lots and lots of people do. Lots of people prefer the current set of Android phones over iPhone. I mean, I even if you personally don't, I mean, the market definitely does. Like people, people love Android phones. Like there's no question about that. But even putting that aside, like the option to buy into another platform is there in a way that it's literally not with something like my internet service but, but to, to to round this out because I, I i again I'm, I'm so profoundly surprised that this this was contentious um I, I i just disagree because isps and internet access are not two-sided markets like in order to have access to customers so you, like so you you have the the situation between apple and the customer and the situation between apple and the app vendor like that's the part where you're not like even though you don't have a lot of choice in consumer broadband because we've made a lot of bad choices as a country on how we allow cable monopolies to function like that's that's different then that's why I think and I know you disagree with it that my grocery store example is actually perfect which is that you could buy groceries at many other places which is why groceries are somewhat affordable other than corn subsidies and things like that that's also why ISPs are not the same way. Like you're getting a service that's reasonable because technically there could potentially be competition. But if you could only buy groceries at one store because that was the only store that was compatible with your house or your appliances, 
is the situation that you're in. I, I, I don't know. All right. Well, agree to disagree. I just, it is, there's so many other examples of this too, like with, with game consoles as well. Where... Well, that's also, I like, th- that is one thing where I, I don't think you've subscribed to dithering yet, but that is actually a, um, something that they do bring up quite a bit. And I, I also don't, because game console makers, like they have things where like, oh, like they, Sony has to like be the one that like prints the Blu-ray discs or whatever for your thing. And if you want to collect an in-app purchase or an in-game purchase or like some type of like new map for your game, like their margins are actually very, very similar to Apple's, if not more. Right. Right. But, but I don't, but I don't care about that. Like it, it, the app store and app economics are so like orders of magnitude larger and smartphones and access to information and services is so much profoundly more important than video games that that's where Apple can't be allowed to do what they do. Hmm. Well, I, I still think that this is totally a step in the right direction. I mean, maybe sure. where we can, maybe where we can agree is that it's better than nothing. <laughs> well, that, and there's more that needs to be done. Like, I don't think Apple gets to announce this and then, you know, pull a, you know, a mission accomplished and say that, you know, everything, <laughs> everything's done. I, I don't, I don't think that's what this means. I do think Tim Cook is going to be on an aircraft carrier tomorrow. <laughs> um, but I also just don't think demanding Apple universally reduce their 30% commission is the right answer either. And good because, you know, okay, they, so they reduce it from, 30 to 25 percent but wait they just reduced it to 15 for other people well right and then so five years from now we get complaints about well it should be reduced from 25 to 20 and then where does it stop but again but so why why is it going from 30 to 25 when they just reduced it to uh, 15 for some other folks because their contributions to app store revenue are basically immaterial well and because if you're a sub $1 million revenue generating developer, that incremental 15% means a lot more to you than it does to a multi-million or billion dollar developer. I, I don't want to dismiss that point. Cause I, cause I, I, and I, cause I do feel like I haven't given enough um, credit to that, that, that is true. And that means a lot to those specific developers. But again, to, to, to wrap this up, my point is that ultimately in the broader smartphone economy situation and kind of how things actually affect the end consumer, the fact that there's a 30% Apple tax because Apple has too much control over the app store and what can ever get in the hands of customers overall makes customers worse off. So in this specific case, indie developers got a better deal but they're paying for it with basically their silence on a broader issue. And again, it's super, super smart for Apple. Like if, if I didn't think it was kind of vaguely evil, like I would, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. Like the way that they're framing it is so smart, but not in a good way. I don't know. It just, yeah. Agree to disagree, but I will uh, further uh, agree to your point that it is, beneficial and good for indie developers 
And I do want there to be indie developers that are successful and make cool stuff for iOS. Absolutely. But it's masking over something way worse. I agree. We should we should close the topic out. But I I guess the other thing I can't just let go is the <laughs> the this alleged harm to consumers. Like I just where where are consumers in the in the app store being harmed? Choice, choice. So, like, but, so what app doesn't exist in the app store that you want it to? Do you like books? Sure. Okay. You want to buy a book in the app store? Where are you going to do it? Books aren't a high margin product and you can't go to the Kindle app and buy a book because Apple would charge them 30% yeah, on a product that could, doesn't have 30% still, margin to yeah, give. You can, you can still buy a Kindle book on Amazon's website and access it. So, so expl- but explain that to somebody who's 65 when they can be like, oh, but there's this orange icon that says books so, and so that, now, has a, that has a buy so now, com- so now companies' margins are based on how technically complicated their product is to use? Because they're forcing it to be that way. It could be just as easy to use if it wasn't for that arbitrary restic- restriction. Do you think Amazon doesn't want to sell people comics and books in their app? No, it's because Apple is making it artificially 30% more expensive for them to reach a customer and that overall harms consumers because there's less choice and now there's only a single bookstore available on the iPhone. Well, but there, eh, there's, there's choice. It's just a little harder to get to. But it's but also I... more expensive, which drives up prices for everybody. Same thing, same thing for your choices in streaming music. Same thing when Apple, again, let's not, let's not forget that like a few months ago, uh, Apple now wanted to take uh, 30% of like class passes revenue and anybody who sold like an online fitness class or an experience to somebody, Apple felt that that if it what was the, uh, the arbitrary distinction, if the audience was three or more people, you had to pay Apple 30% for them to do nothing. That, that, that was kind of silly. Okay, we'll uh, let it go. <laughs> um, again, we've been trying to keep these to a tight hour. But um, well, this is kind of a in the absence of an episode next week. This is kind of a a two for one. It's I'll I'll sleep on this and I will try to uh, refine my argument because I'm still mad that you don't agree with me. <laughs> because because I I don't think there's any arbitrary. I like I I feel like I'm objectively right. Well, but <laughs> nope, 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 nope. We just gotta move on. Well, but okay, but no, no, no. Hold on, hold on. The, with the consumer thing. Maybe this who, who, is who is helped by the thirty percent, other well, okay, than the whole okay, Phil me, Schiller thing of hold saying. On, let me let okay. me turn it right, though. Right. So maybe this is being too generalist or naive, but at my view of the App Store, there is certainly no shortage of choice, and there is definitely not an issue with apps being overpriced. I mean, God, if anything, software is way underpriced on the app store. But it's so the, I just, I guess I just don't, I don't know what the specific harm to consumers is, but it's services, not apps because that, that is that that's, that's the problem where we're not talking about like, no, Apple has actually been extremely successful at hurting developers at large by providing software for free and driving the app cost down to 99 cents when there could have been way more to be made. Like I absolutely, yeah, I, I okay, agree with this that. Is, this is, okay, this is where we, can, where we can conclude because I think this is where we'll have agreement. So like, I'm much more in favor of these continued incremental changes to the app store instead of just some universal reduction to that 30% rate. And so something that I think we would agree on is that their rates for 
subscription services, which they've done a little bit to address with the whole, you know, it steps down after a year thing. But I think more more needs to be done there. Like subscription revenue should be subject to a completely different rate than 5%. what one-time purchases are. Yeah, I, I totally so agree then, that. But then that solves everything. Because that's... We'll wrap, we'll wrap this up. But that's the thing where if you have, if, so if Spotify has to basically what's uh, three times 12. So they have, if they have to eat 36% and lose money on a customer, I understand again, pretend that Spotify is profitable. I know they're not, but like if they now have a $36 per first year customer acquisition cost that Apple doesn't have to bear, that still hurts customer choice and makes the customer worse off. In the, and again, the thing that everybody has to keep in mind when they're thinking about this issue is that Apple competes against the developers that they force into their siloed ecosystem on so many fronts. Even look at this bullshit Apple One bundle, which now has a thing that competes against uh, uh, what's it called Fitbit and uh, everybody who uh, Nike Training Club, everybody who makes a thing related to fitness now, they now have a new competitor that is basically given away for free in this new subscription thing. It's that Apple controls the market and they also compete against those same people that they make pay 30% more than they have to. Yeah, I, I would agree that they're stepping into markets is, is also a, a complicating factor. I would agree with that. And they're making their own chips now. <laughs> Didn't even hey, get you, to you it. You want to talk about the M1? No, no. <laughs> Go on to bed. All right, what's Chef special? Um. All right, so I, I've got a good one for you this week, okay. I think. This is a little different. So during the pandemic, I would say that two of the things that I've been a little more um, attentive to or focused on has been supporting local business and purchasing nicer alcohol that I can have either shipped or that I can pick up and bring to my home since I'm now, you know, no longer enjoying cocktails and, and things in, in restaurants. Mm -hmm. So my pick this week is a combination of those two. It's a place called Spirit Works Distillery. They're up in Sebastopol. Um, the, the neat thing about them is they have a club membership kind of similar to like if you were a wine club member somewhere can this be signed up through the app store <laughs> i don't think you can do that um they you know they have different levels of of being a member right where you commit to a certain number of bottles a year which is like the same as how wine clubs work and i've, I've been a member um since the early part of the summer this year um so I, you know, unfortunately haven't been able to benefit from some of their, their, you know, member benefits, including things like tours and they have a whole tasting room, which I've never been inside of. Um, but they have been doing some other kind of neat things during COVID like this Friday, the lady friend and I are doing a, like a virtual tasting class. So we went and picked up these little just tasters over the weekend and then they're going to do a, a, a zoom class on friday where we you know, go through each of them um but really nice people really good uh, variety of spirits they're always coming out with really cool cocktail recipes which i like 
Um, and they're in a they're in a cool part of Sebastopol. I don't know if you've ever been. It's called the Barlow. Um, is that? Uh, yeah, I, I is Sebastopol the one that's kind of on the way to Guerneville? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've been to that. They have that like newish downtownish area. That's the Barlow. Yeah. Um, a lot of cool shops, restaurants, bars. Um, you know, a, a place that you know I've had been going to relatively regularly, you know, pre-pandemic, and have been going to every so often during the pandemic. Um. And yeah, this this place is um this place is great. So I know you're not a big spirits guy, but I increasingly am. Okay, good. Yeah, well then you you know. So what so what do you, what do they I I is spirits a catch-all category for like gin, vodka, bourbon and whiskey? Yeah, so it's you know, hard alcohol is kind of the other phrase that you'll hear. Um their their variety of stuff is is focused. So they, you know, they only make basically vodka, gin, and whiskey. And they have, you know, different varieties of each of those, but but those are those are basically what they make. So I'm concerned with the fact that I'm looking at the recipes and the cocktail menu and I didn't read it, but I was immediately drawn to the one that says uh slow gin ladies night out. Because <laughs> visually it looks the best. Um Okay, this is so. How much does this end up being like per, like bottle of? Because I assume it's like your standard like seven fifty mil like. It it is so all of their bottles are seven fifty. They only sell one size of everything, and as a member, you get. So I'm I'm a I'm a part of the one bottle a quarter club, and so I get fifteen percent off of everything. And most of the 750 milliliter bottles are 50 bucks. And then you get, you know, 15% off of that. <laughs> like the small business program. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is not, it's, it's definitely not the cheapest way to buy booze. You know, there, there are certainly um, cheaper, you know, spirits that are out there, but and it's truly local. Like it's not just that they happen to have like an outpost. Like it's actually made there. Oh no, it's 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 literally made in it, it, at the at the place in Sebastopol. Well, so yeah. then that's cool. I mean, that's at least worth something. Yeah, exactly. And again, like um, that's the whole thing where we do ultimately in uh, a year or two when things maybe start getting back to normal for things that we enjoy to still be there. So no, that that actually that makes total sense. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, it, one of the shames of this is that like I've I've actually been meaning to. Um, look more into this place and potentially become a member for like a long time. And it wasn't until the pandemic where I kind of had this renewed focus on small business where I, I finally did it. Right. And they've, you know, they've got a, a small little pickup window that's outside where they've been doing everything now. And so that, you know, that's how I signed up over the summer. Um, mm. so. Well, cool. Um, yeah, it's, you know, I, I've, I've, <laughs> I've become, I guess, you know, to, bring this all back to the the second thing that I've dabbled a little bit more into during the the pandemic with, you know, having, you know, beers and spirits and stuff either shipped to my house or that I've gone and picked up um is I guess I've I've become a little snobbier with all that stuff where you know, like I don't get me wrong, like if you've served me a thing of of bullet 
or um you know gentleman jack or woodford reserve or whatever like some of these more kind of just like retail whiskeys or whatnot like that's still fine but you can tell a difference with with the the craft stuff um like the spirits work stuff is well then maybe i shouldn't try it because that's the thing where i like it's like knowing what good coffee is and stuff and then you ultimately like i don't want to get to the point where well so i guess let me get into my pick because it's going to be tangentially related well maybe this so the last closing thought here on mine is that even though it's you know 50 bucks a bottle again but with a with a discount but but 50 bucks a bottle i mean these last a long time right like it's you you don't go through that's up to you (laughs) (laughs) well fair i yeah i personally don't go through a you know a 750 milliliter bottle all that fast so it lasts a while and and compare it to you know a 10 to 15 dollar cocktail that you're going to get you know at a restaurant when you start going to those again and well, actually, I'm going to be a little more optimistic about that. I, th- I think we're we're on the right track again. Maybe late next year to be able to do that. Wait, Easter is a winter holiday now. Okay, all right. It's the longest episode ever. All right. So i I feel like I've already made this a pick. I don't. I don't even have a pick this week. But I'm 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 uh, drifting off of yours. Um, where I have been making a strong effort to try to like post election like. Look at mm. doom doom scroll less. Look at screens less. Drink more. A little bit. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's mostly that I've been trying to like substitute, kind of just like staring at Twitter and just wasting and just looking at Instagram and and doing dumb stuff um, before bed. Or I've kind of instituted a nightly routine. And again, I'm not trying to say that this works yet, but I have been like you know I'll I'll you know like have like a glass of wine or increasingly. Uh, ever since the uh the um national park trip more into to bourbons recently but just getting a nice uh making myself a nice and this is the day before uh spherical ice cube or one of these um nice like uh blocky ice cubes get yourself i think it's called a highball glass is that what those little short dudes are mm-hmm. and then you, you just give yourself a like you just a, not a lot but a little bit of bourbon in there and you just put your phone away and you just read for a little bit and it's fantastic Mm-hmm. So, uh, strongly recommend people stop looking at the internet and, um, you know, they should take your, your lead of, of not looking at Twitter, even though I think you're still on Twitter a lot. I'm a, I'm a little back on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as long as Darth's there, there's still, there's still good stuff happening. But That's anyway, fair. I apparently, so I, I bought these, uh, a year and a half ago, so they're currently not available, so, but I assume like this brand has other stuff there, but I can, I can strongly recommend their spherical ice cube molds are actually they they actually do what they're supposed to do that's not just like a gimmick and they do um keep drinks cold much longer and also for things like a uh, bourbon or a whiskey um they don't because they uh what's what's the opposite of evaporate melt thank you <laughs> because they melt much more slowly they don't tend to like water down your drink quickly which regular ice cubes will so. Actually, I, I know we're running long, but I actually have a, <laughs> a really quick spherical ice cube story that I think you'd appreciate. Sure. So, you know, longtime listeners will remember that the lady friend and I remodeled our kitchen around this time last year. And we ended up going with an LG fridge, uh, which, of course, Carlos, you know from the screenshots that I've sent you from the LG. Have we decided if this is 
is it think or is it i think think? like i'm of the opinion that their marketing material calls it think but i think kind of like hermes i call it thank you intentionally Okay. okay um so we we were we knew we were going with an LG fridge. Um at that at a year ago they had a model that actually made these spherical ice cubes. Like a, as part of its standard ice maker. It was oh, like, kind a, of like a, you can you have yeah, crushed ice, regular ice and also circular ice. Exactly. But they only offered that option in a model that it didn't have a big ass LCD screen in it. It actually had something even dumber than that. It's they have this line of refrigerators where isn't it like see through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where you, you, I'm not making this up. Like you go look this up. Like you literally knock on the on the see through part, and a little light comes on that allows you to see into the fridge, which apparently is useful for something. Well, yeah. It, it is very strange. Um, about six months, maybe even a little less, after we bought our refrigerator, LG came out with an updated version of the one that we bought that also had the spherical ice maker. It 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 was it was quite a bit more money. So I, t- truthfully, I'm not. I'm not sure we would have opted to to spend that even if it were an option, but it still it still broke my heart a little bit. Yeah, that's that's fair, but I, I do feel like a lot of the fun like of it is that just kind of you're making you're making a cube on your own. So I a hundred percent agree with that. There's there's a ritual to it, which has been long <laughs> covered on this show through our espresso making. I think the other thing too is that that LG refrigerator I think makes like thirty of them at a time. Which... Well, just gotta gotta keep going. Also, don't dog dogs love ice cubes? Branson used to really like them when he was a puppy. He's he's not so much into them anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know what changed. You don't have to grow them. 